Hi everyone, this is Joshua Hoffman and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and discuss a few things they learned along the way. Today I have Greg Kay, the co-founder of Leadly, a customer acquisition agency using multi-channel marketing and LI management to dramatically increase clients' pipelines. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, Josh. Good to be here. I think you're the first one to wave uh, in that beginning part, so I, I appreciate the, uh, the back and forth there. That's good. Um, you can wave both hands if you want, right and left. Yeah, exactly. No, most people just sit there and they're like, hello, hi, good, thanks for having me or something, so I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so I want to start off with your previous company, Emerge, I think it's, it's E-M-R-G, I think it's Emerge, uh, which was acquired by Entree. Um, so can you actually tell us a little bit more about that company and how you got acquired? Yeah, um, that was the first company I, I created. And the idea behind that was still focus on entrepreneurship, right? Uh, I started in school, started my own entrepreneurship club, and loved that idea of student founders. So that led to a conference that we built for student entrepreneurs from top universities like Carnegie Mellon, Johns Hopkins, NYU, Princeton, for a chance to compete, to win up to 10K in prizes, but really to connect with investors, like-minded co-founders. And that grew or we held that conference for two years into a community of investors, of partners, of uh, really smart entrepreneurs that wanted to get involved even to the point of after they graduated. So that led to the growth of this accelerator called Emerge, where we invited startups um, to connect with each other and, and hold weekly sessions and it went so well, we ran it for two years um, where we charged just a flat fee and didn't take any equity uh, and connected them to other top tier accelerators and VCs and we on pitch practices and workshops and all these different things for them to really be able to grow their startups. And uh, we were able to get that acquired um, as recently as last year, the end of last year. So that's exciting. Um, and that led to different ventures. We And obviously now with the growth of Leadly, um, we use LinkedIn to help a lot of startups uh, connect with investors and uh, try and sign more clients. And again, I'll kind of, we'll talk, probably touch on that and get into that. But um, it was an exciting journey. And uh, that was the first in that entrepreneurship journey. And that's kind of what led to uh, Leadly. I was really involved in the Philly startup scene, uh, especially during my first company. Um, so all the resources that be, get, that can be given are immensely helpful. And you guys are like not that expensive, which is mind-blowing to me, uh, especially with all those resources. What, maybe this is a bad question, but like, what makes you interested in entrepreneurship? Yeah. So um, again, started the entrepreneurship club at university, and it was always uh, at the school that I went to, a smaller school in New Jersey, it was focused on, hey get access to internships with these large companies, stay focused on your career, continue to build that and climb up that corporate ladder. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty daunting and not exciting at all. Um, so I said, there has to be another way. And uh, I was introduced to entrepreneurship at uh, first university I went to, and I carried that through to the next uh, school. And that's what led to the start of the club since there was really no entrepreneurship spirit at the university. And I carried that through to obviously now lately and kind of what we're doing here. Um, and I wanted to help out other student startups. And that's what led to the birth of Emerge. Um, and here we are. Yeah, my skills also weren't like made, I guess I would say, for climbing up the corporate ladder as well. Uh, so that's why, like, as soon I, I think I did it too early, but as soon as I could jump out of like, 
working for someone else and starting my own thing. I, I tried to again, probably too early, but second one successful. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, right. You learn learn from your mistakes. Um, so also, n- n- the number one employee at Zvook. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit more about that and what it's like being like employee number one? Yeah, so I was employee number one at, at Zvook. It was a pre-seed startup um, that was actually involved with podcast, podcast advertising. And I had previously worked for an accelerator, Techstars, um, one of the larger accelerators, and that, again, wanted to be involved in that startup scene, that startup space, but I wanted to get more experience on the operational side of things. So I said, hey, let me find a really cool startup where, again, I was able to work remotely and and do some fun stuff, but really learn on the operational side um, from ground up, right? Pre-seed all the way through to maybe Series B. And it was a good experience. It was about maybe two years or so, a year and a half. I forget exactly off the top of my So it was, it was quicker, uh, obviously, relatively speaking. Um, but because obviously we started leaving and there's such a good opportunity there, um, that's what led to, hey, I need to go out and kind of do this on my own. And we started to use, again, some of that LinkedIn outreach at scale with some of the automation uh, and really gearing towards that ideal audience. And it was starting to work. I said, hey, there could be something here. And that's, I'll get into obviously how I met Will, co-founder and things of that nature. Um, but good experience overall. And I think everyone should have that opportunity if you're interested in entrepreneurship on the operational side, working for somebody else, learning how they're uh, trying to fundraise, learning how they're adding people to their team, learning about the HR side of things, the marketing, sales, you get all of that experience within a very short time period. It's almost as if it's a school of hard knocks, right? Um, So I really recommend if anyone is involved or wants to get involved in creating their own business to work for somebody else first and gain all those different types of skill sets um, before running it themselves. Learn from them, those mistakes. Yes, exactly. Uh, and you've already hinted twice at Leadly. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about Leadly and why you actually started it? Yes. So Leadly is a B2B marketing tech agency that incorporates organic messaging across different mediums to find ideal clients and ultimately connect with them. So kind of what that means in layman's terms is we use a variety of different channels to be able to connect with those perfect clients. We use all social channels, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, cold email, cold call, follow-up, network connection. The main bread and butter that we've been leveraging is LinkedIn. And what we do is connect somebody's LinkedIn account to internal software that we have. And then we're able to do outreach at scale. We're able to reach a thousand people per month, roughly speaking with a personalized message from their LinkedIn account that's able to uh, turn into, again, good conversations and ultimately into hopefully a call and assigned client. As we're doing that outreach, we're also capturing the uh, potential customer's information. So we share in a spreadsheet every time someone responds back to that person who responds, when they respond, what they respond with, and then their first name, last name, company name, title, phone number, email address, if we get that from LinkedIn. And then we share that in that spreadsheet that they can upload into their CRM. And it's an incredibly useful tool. Instead of you going in on a daily basis and trying to message somebody on LinkedIn, copying, pasting, maybe that same message, we're able to kind of scale that up for you with very personalized outreach. So we have a kickoff call with all of our clients and we understand who their ideal audience is and more information about their company, 
unique value propositions, irresistible offers. And we take a combination of those two things to craft that personalized message towards that niche audience. And that's what we're able to scale up to then obviously get a better positive response rate that can lead to more calls and conversations. And it has proven to be quite successful for us, for our clients. And that's what's led to a good retention rate and growth in a short time period for, for Leadly. Um, so it's exciting. So that's what we've been doing um, across kind of different boards. And um, hopefully we'll continue to see that growth. You mentioned cold calling, uh, which I, maybe you are also millennial and I hate talking on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't mind. It's funny. I don't mind Zooms and all that kind of stuff. But like for me to cold call, I don't know. I, I just never liked it. I don't think anyone really likes it. But therefore, I actually removed cold calling from my like sequencing. Yeah. Um, total personal, probably. I'm probably not right in that. But do you guys still put cold calling in every single sequence that you that you guys do? So it's not an automated sequence. It's part of our process. So, and I want to kind of differentiate between the two. Yeah, sequence, yeah, yeah. majority of the time, you're thinking about an automated sequence. If you have a cold email sequence, it's five emails in a list, or obviously to that same individual in that sequence where you send that first email, and then three days later, you send another automated email, and then a week later, that third email in that same sequence. We incorporate cold call in the process. And it's really important to differentiate it too. And I'll kind of explain a little bit further. When we incorporate outreach, say we're just starting on LinkedIn, we get someone to respond with interest. Someone says, hey, thanks for reaching out. I'd like to learn more. We respond back to that person, either on behalf of ourselves or our clients or recommend our clients to obviously. Obviously, we want to respond as quickly as possible. But if they don't reply back to our response, we have to follow up a second time via LinkedIn, maybe a third time. If they don't respond to those messages on LinkedIn, we want to follow up fourth time, but via email this time. And then maybe a fifth time via cold call. We want to go get through every potential medium to have them respond and be able to book that call as possible. And if they don't respond after six touch points across, again, these different channels, LinkedIn, cold call, email, then we can obviously remove them from the list. And still, we want to retarget them with uh, email marketing, whatever the case may be. Um, to ensure that we can get them on the call. Uh, but that's why our, where cold email is really important to be able to incorporate that into that overall process when you're trying to sell to potential clients once you've already gotten them in that uh, pipeline with interest. Okay, quick question. Do you, when you send the LinkedIn message, uh, <laughs> you've said, you've used that one before, haven't you? <laughs> um, when you're sending your LinkedIn, that was good. When you're sending your LinkedIn message, uh, do you send it in the connection request or do you send it after their connection? Do you get what I'm saying? So you do send like a, a sales message in the connection request. Yeah, we have seen a lot of quote unquote bots that are on LinkedIn of spammy messages. This is normally the the cadence that we've seen on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Hey. I, hey, John, I'd like to join your network. Let's connect. And then the second message is, hey, John, we are a, a B2B um, SaaS company that's looking, that has seen X growth in the past 10 years, and we can give you ROI in this amount of time. And we just bullshit message, right? What we do is we take a different approach. We find, again, who that ideal audience is. We want to be as niche as possible in the targeting. 
want to be able to filter by location, size of company, industry, title, keyword. The more niche the audience is, the more niche the message can be, which leads to a better response and there's no bullshit. So if we find uh, we're trying to reach the head of manufacturing for a staffing firm that's trying to place uh, engineers at that manufacturing firm, that message might look like, hey, John, we partner with manufacturing firms, helping them place structural engineers, civil engineers, and XYZ engineer. Would love to connect and share more. It's very pinpointed in that message. You're not selling as much. You are selling, but it's more of a, hey, let's connect. I know the space. I'm showing my expertise. We partner with XYZ type manufacturers. You can even name drop manufacturers that you work with. And then that head of engineering at that manufacturing firm sees that message and says, oh, that's geared towards me. I'm in manufacturing. That's maybe what I need right now. Yeah, let's chat. Let's talk. That's the type of approach that we take. So we send that first connection request message with our connection request with that short, very simple, sweet message. Again, pretty niche in that uh, personalization approach. And then in the follow-up, if they accept that but don't respond, we follow up a day later. Hey, John, thanks for connecting. Again, we do X, Y, Z. Do you have any time to chat next week? We'd love to, to uh, speak further. Very all, short. All in the 20 characters that they give you. I don't think it's, it's not literally 20. Yeah, but it, 275 or 300. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? I feel like it's so much shorter. It feels like it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just a, a quick add to that. Um, you know, I came from the sales world and, and I have this rule, like you should never trick the person on the other side. So so I actually come in with essentially a very similar sales approach. Like to me, I'm going to have to pitch you at some point. Like I'm not going to drag you down the line for no reason. So let me just put it up front. And I've seen so much more success than just sending like either blank connection requests or these I literally, I accept most connection requests. I do not accept the ones that are like, hey, I saw you're in my network. Just want to connect. Decline uh, those. Because I know the sales message is going to come right after it. Exactly. Exactly. And the sales messaging is a whole nother uh, game on its own. You did mention uh, CRM. So do you have any like basic question, best practices for, for CRM use? Yes. So it depends on the size of company that you are. Um, and how you're going to leverage that. I mean, the main three that I know that I think are best uh, fits for most companies, Salesforce, HubSpot, Pipedrive. I mean, there's Zoho and there's a, a whole variety of uh, high level of different CRMs that are out there. Um, but what I've seen for startups, HubSpot being the main one because of the marketing automation that you can incorporate. So what we do is we take all those responses that we see for ourselves and for our clients and add them to the spreadsheet, like I mentioned earlier. Then we download that as CSV and upload that directly into our CRM HubSpot in this instance. I think we pay for the pro version uh, just because it enables us to be able to incorporate that marketing automation. And then we will retarget some of those folks with, obviously you have to have them opt in if you're doing email marketing in some capacity. Um, but if they've responded with interest, Usually that um, enables us to say, hey, we'd like you to opt in here, blah, blah, blah. And then we create that same sequence with email to get them interested in a webinar that we're running or an event that we'd like them to attend or free information they can leverage. And then we keep them involved in that communication process uh, for them, obviously, to have another call with us and for them to be a potential customer since we've already identified them in that potential customer. Um, so that's what we, a good best practice for us in that whole sales process with a sequence within each of these steps in the process to, again, sign more clients. 
Do you guys use any other tools? So we've mentioned like a CRM, mainly HubSpot. Uh, by the way, it's, I don't know if you mentioned, but it's free to use to start with. Uh, and then you start to add tools to it. So um, that's kind of the beauty of HubSpot. You mentioned LinkedIn. Any other like tools that you use for Outbound or anything? Ooh, yeah, there's a bunch. Um, we like Apollo. Apollo's that's, good. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Apollo's fantastic. You can enrich a lot of data. So what we do is we'll take an initial list and then we'll add that uh, specific list that we've curated in LinkedIn and then we'll enrich that to be able to get all the contact information of all those people, right? That's one tool that we use. Um, If you're doing an email retargeting before adding into HubSpot, you want to be able to clean that so you can clean that via Neverbounce. Um, you want to warm up your, if you're doing cold email at scale, um, you want to obviously get different domains. Um, Instantly is a good one for that to be able to uh, give you information on how to set up these different domains with like GoDaddy. And, and um, you want to obviously, yeah. By the way, I don't think, because I just learned about warming up emails and we use LemWarm. I looked up because it's really using it right now. It's really important to warm up, especially new domains before you just start to blast people with uh with email campaigns because of spam. You don't get caught in spam folders and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. And it helps uh, without getting too technical, SPA, SPF, uh, DKM, and DMARC uh, signatures. Um, I got, I when, if you <laughs> use it uh, instantly, they'll be able to walk you through kind of these different steps and processes um, and help you get set up with cold email at scale. So what we do is we, again, run ads, organic social media management, LinkedIn, cold email, cold call, all these different strategies together across different mediums to be able to get more interested potential clients on a call and ultimately selling for us and for our clients. And by using a combination, because what you can do is, and I know I'm kind of getting into some of the weeds, but it gets me excited. That's why I'm kind of talking about it. So we can take a list from LinkedIn, right? We can download those people that we're already targeting in a LinkedIn campaign, usually gets their uh, personal email address. We can either then enrich that data with Apollo to get their business email address, or we can leverage the personal email address that they're using and try and retarget them with ads on Facebook. Then we can get their uh, business email address and then add them into a, an email campaign with Inboxy where we're setting up multiple domains and then scaling that up appropriately. Then we can take all those numbers that we would have maybe gotten from the enrichment from Apollo and do a cold call campaign where there's different software that allows you to call six people at once and whichever one answers, you can pick up the phone and and chat with. So we take all of these different strategies and tools and approaches together and combine them to be able to get more calls and more assigned clients. I know, you know, this isn't technically advertising, but I remember one thing they, in my advertising class in college that they taught me is, is like a goal for advertising and, and similar to what you're doing is you want to see the same ad in two different places. And it's amazing. Like the impact of that just like explodes. So you see it on a commercial and then you see it on a bus. So that's why a lot of these advertisers, they won't just kind of stick to one medium. They stick to two, but they try to understand where their customers are. And and that's obviously how they're trying to use their money wisely. And I think you're basically doing the same thing that if you're going to see me in two or three different places, you're like, all right, I'll give this whatever X a chance um, and I'll reach out or I'll take their call or whatever it is. So um, I, my understanding is that's kind of what you're doing as well. Yes. And I can't talk about uh, D2C as much. My main focus is in the B2B space, but I think it's eight to 15 touch points that you want to have with a potential client or customer before they sign, before they get comfortable with you, right? Because they're buying from you as an individual. It's that person to person connection and relationship, especially in the B2B space. 
Um, so what we try and do is hit them in email, hit them in LinkedIn, hit them in phone, hit them via ads. And from an ad perspective, again, without getting too much into the weeds, you create a whole funnel system there. So you want to do that top-down approach where you have top of the funnel, then all the way to a conversion with the right CTA to get them to click on the button and have a call with you or be able to purchase depending on you're setting up at that bottom of the funnel. So there's different levels of conversion. Yeah, I would say sales is just really just a bunch of one-liners uh, that if you learn, and and my one-liner to that was eight touch points to a sale. Uh, so I don't know what, I, maybe 15 also, but I always, yeah. And then to me, it was, yeah, hit them, hit them with a few emails, then a few calls, and then you'll, they'll finally sign. So great point. All right, now let's take a step back to the beginning of the firm. Uh, how did you guys get your first customer? Wow, that's a great question. Um, huh. I think that question should be asked to everybody of all time, any company. That's the best question ever. Because like, it brings you back. It brings you back to that journey, you know, like, oh, what was our first customer? Oh, yeah, I remember. It's nostalgic. Um, our first customer. So I think it was a company that um, it's more through networking connections and relationships than anything else or early on before we were able to really set up our own outreach at scale. Um, I think it was a company that um, was working through my partner. Um, again, my partner is Will, and he has still his own marketing agency. And it was a company that he was working with that he thought, hey, this could work really well on the B2B side since we're already doing some marketing for them. I'm not going to name the company, but um, we leveraged it and we saw a lot of success. And it was over. We ran a pilot period for ourselves to be able to test and see how it can work out before we really dove in deep. And that pilot worked really well. And then we continued it and so on and so forth. And we're still working with that company to date, which goes to show our retention rate. We learned a ton along the way as well. So it's first company still working with. Can't beat that. So I appreciate that because it, it might be the only question that I try to make sure that I ask every single time. And then, and then the second question, I always come to that. And I actually think this is more important um, because, you know, a lot of times that first customer is just a data point, but the second customer is a trend. Uh, so how did you get the second customer? Oh, the second customer. So I'm going to kind of answer it in a different format a little bit. So we found that trend a little bit later on, not necessarily the second customer, it was more, hey, this can really work when we're seeing success for our customers and people are signing up. Um, so this, I think the third or fourth customer that we had, I can't remember off the top of my head, um, was a Fortune 500 company, um, publicly traded. And we said, wow, we, there's no way that we're going this. And again, we're still working with them. I'm not going to name the company, but um, we have delivered a ton of results and they've added more accounts. Um, and that specific department has grown tenfold where we've gotten them so busy that um, they can't <laughs> even uh, handle the uh, amount of uh, activity that we brought them. So they needed to hire more people and be able to grow that department. And I think it was uh, the new area for them for B2B. They're mostly direct consumer. Um, so we helped with that growth and hopefully they can continue to see success. But we saw this trend really come when we saw three customers, four customers, five customers, all seeing success and staying with us and not churning. Hey, we're onto something. We know obviously we can perfect it um, or try to perfect it as much as we can, try and get that retention rate to like 95%. But we know something's here um, when we have these customers that are signing up and staying with us and we're seeing wins for them. Okay, we're onto something. Yeah, I, I just jumped into a new company and I'm, I'm in charge of all the sequencing and outbound and everything. And... 
you know, the first one came in and it was like, we blew it out of the water. Uh, but I was, I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, let's, let's wait till the second one and everything. Second one blew it out of the water too. And I kind of turned to the team. I was like, guys, this, this is going to work kind of thing. So it is, there's that time that you see like, oh my goodness, you know, the pain points hitting and the emails are hitting and people are responding. And honestly, once you have that, like you you go not worry about other things, but like you're starting to run there. Um, any big mistakes that you've made in the past, either this company or, or another that are worth highlighting? Yeah. Um, well, for Emerge, I don't want to focus on Emerge too much, but I'm just going to mention it. Uh, who you have involved in the team, right? I think it's really important uh, for co-founders and just team members. Um, when you're getting started with something, you want to make sure you're surrounding yourself with other folks who have that drive and have that ambition and I learned really on that that's incredibly important for not only your, your co-founders, but the team that you're running with as well. So I learned that at Emerge and Swoop and just other companies I was involved with. Um, and we brought that to Leadly. Luckily, I found a really good uh, business partner and we've been uh, making the right moves to date. Um, so I think that's been one of the most important things that I've learned and probably one of the biggest challenges that you have to overcome if you don't find that uh, right team early on. So everyone keep in mind, team is probably crucial to success uh, when you're getting involved in the startup. I could be the make or break. A um, few questions I, I tend to ask at the end. First one, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? I think you can see success with organic, depending on if it's B2B. Really, my knowledge is B2B. That's kind of my niche, my focus. You don't necessarily need to spend tons of money to see success. And I think a lot of marketers tend to overlook that, especially at larger companies where they're going to spend tons of money on ad dollars and maybe see a smaller conversion um, where you can maybe see success with influencer marketing, um, more organic outreach that's grown as of late. Um, to ultimately grow that side of the business, whatever you're doing on the B2B side as well. I think we see more success in that direct approach from a sales perspective with one personal selling as opposed to running ads. Uh, I think ads are more complementary to main bread and butter, and it's a lower cost per acquisition anyways when you're doing the outbound as opposed to inbound. Um, so that's really my recommendation always to, especially early on, start with outbound, continue to grow that channel because cheaper, you get a cost, better cost per acquisition, and then you can find ways of scaling that. Then once that's going well, then you can add the SEO, SEM, ads, all these different things from an inbound perspective to be able to continue to fuel that growth. Perfect. That was great. What do you enjoy talking about the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to talk about? Mm. Uh, yeah, the LinkedIn. That's my baby. I love it. LinkedIn is amazing. You're able to really hone in on the niche audience and then craft that message. One thing that's incredibly important that people always overlook that I'm really adamant about is that follow-up process. So right now, for us, we see success for clients. We're getting in two weeks, 10 to 15 positive responses of people saying, hey, thanks for reaching out. I'd like to learn more. Hey, yeah, let's chat. Let's, let's connect. Do you have any, here's my email, send me an email with more information. All of these positive signals that we've generated for them that they're not following up on. So they might respond once, hey, yeah, great. Do you have any time to connect next week? And then that person that originally replied doesn't reply back. 
where you really need to be able to follow up. Like I mentioned earlier, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, email, LinkedIn, cold call to be able to get them to respond with interest where we book probably 70 to 90% more meetings because of that follow-up process for us and trying to uh, dictate that and explain that to folks, uh, especially for startups that have a smaller team uh, and they're just busy with a lot of things to be able to get that sale and ultimately get them on the call. Like you mentioned, eight touch points is, is really that key. You need to be able to follow up a few times, even if they've responded with interest. So that's something I really harp on. No, I, I'm going to add to that a little bit. Um, whenever I send out sequences, you know, obviously there's that initial message and I may be testing and there's the two messages and everything, but it's always the follow-up, which is a very simple follow-up for me. I'm literally just saying, hey, I'm circling back on this. Basically, are you the right person to speak with? I get more because they, they usually will read that and then read the first email again. I get twice as many responses on that follow-up uh, that I do. And then, of course, after responding, following up and everything. What, what, what is your message? A touch base here? It's literally like the second message is literally like, hey, I'm circling back on this. I never say, did you see the first message or anything like that? Because those are the emails I like delete quickly on my phone and everything. So it's, yeah, circling back on this. Uh, you know, right now we're trying to sell companies. Just wanted to see if you have thought about m- making acquisition in the past. Uh, are you the right person? And it's actually that are you the right person that always gets them. And they're like, yeah, 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 it's me. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can incorporate that. I like it. It's it works, man. It's it's excellent. Um, hey, we'd love to touch base one last time. Do you have any time to chat? Something like that. You should try try this try this AB uh, test. It's it. I can't believe how well it works. Um, are you going to hire any positions right now? Yeah, we are in uh, major growth mode, so we're probably looking at um, within the next six months to a year, probably three to four positions for our internal team. Um, so we'll see come, kind of what comes of that, but probably uh, on the operation side, on the sales side, account management side, growth one. It's exciting. Awesome. And last question, any book or podcast recommendations? doesn't have to be business, marketing, could be anything. Um, yes, I mean, it depends on kind of the area that you want to get involved in, like on the VC side. Um, there's some good books um, on the general marketing side. I mean, Venture Deals is the OG. Um, I, I think by Brad Feld, who's the co-founder of uh, TechStars. And that's usually a really good start for reading for any startup that en- ends up wanting to um, fundraise. So that's always my first recommendation on the startup side. Um Perfect. Yeah. And as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Yeah. Um, leadingmedia.com. Pretty simple, pretty easy. Um, you can reach me at greg at leadingmedia.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, greg K, Leading Media, K-A-Y-E. Uh, and if you have any questions about B2B marketing, about direct sales, outreach, any of that, um, I'm your guy. So reach out and love chat. Awesome, man. Really appreciate you having on your show. Really appreciate having you on the show. Uh, and for those of you who learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting highest quality guests like Greg. Greg, dude, thank you so much for being on the show. Of course. Thank you, Josh, for having me. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. 
Devnoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.